somebody in your life, when it all goes wrong, says, you know what? Can we stop and pray for a second? God, you are real. You know what's going on. Lord, you know all the emotions involved in this, but we want your grace and your love to shine through. If you don't have those people in your life, you need to get those people in your life. You know why? Because in the moments of crisis, the decisions you make in the moments of crisis will define the rest of your life. How you deal with crisis will totally change your destiny. Think about who you turn to when things get hard. Do they give good advice and encourage you to pause and go to the Lord? Or do they rile you up even more? Today, Pastor Daniel urges you to consider if people you go to in a crisis help you move forward with wisdom. These are the kinds of friends that Daniel had. Their world was imploding. They stayed calm and prayed together. They asked God to move in their lives and show them the way. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Daniel, chapter 2, as he continues his message, Crisis. Pastor Jason's real pragmatic. He's just kind of like, he just tells it like he sees, and he just stops and says, hey, listen, hold on. You have to realize this is only big in your head right now. It's not big anywhere else. It's only big between your two ears, and you're blowing this thing up, and it really doesn't mean anything. Because you know what happened? I started to think about all the things that got really big between my two ears that were really small. Because of a situation or because of a crisis, all of a sudden it gets amplified in my head and then we begin to live out of a crisis that I'm being crazy in. And instead of being thoughtful in the spirit and wise about it, I become illogical in the flesh and I create a bigger calamity. My friends, how many of you right now, you're being crazy? There's things going on, and you have completely lost your head. You're like Nebuchadnezzar. Sure, there's something going on here. See, what we're going to find out is that Nebuchadnezzar received the most profound dream, which is literally going to be an entire telling of the history of the Gentiles from Nebuchadnezzar's day all the way until the return of Jesus. So he didn't receive some small piece of information, but he completely lost his mind in the midst of it. It made me laugh when I wrote down, don't be crazy, because it's so simple But yet, we can get crazy really easy, can't we? I want you to notice this, though. Nebuchadnezzar's craziness now creates a crisis for everybody. Because the Chaldeans and the magicians and the astrologers, they can't tell him the dream. Or actually, they don't know if they can or if they can't, but in their minds, they can't. Right? And so what happens? How does this thing land. Verse 12. For this reason, the king was angry and he became very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing wise men and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. See, Nebuchadnezzar's insanity now became a carnage. 
If you were with us in the last message, remember I said how Daniel and all those wise men, it was a good gig in a kingdom. You got to eat of the king's food. Now, all of a sudden, Daniel and his friends are under a death sentence. You notice how sometimes a blessing is also could be a curse as well. Something that's a really good thing doesn't always turn out to be the best thing. Because in one sense, man, Daniel's hooked up. He's got this great situation. And now all of a sudden, there's a price on his head just for being part of that group. So instead of being crazy, how should we be? Well, listen to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. My friends, instead of being crazy, can we live soberly? The idea of having, being sober-minded, there's an even-keeledness to being sober-minded. But not only live soberly, it also says in these verses that we should live righteously. And that word righteous literally means all things that pertain to what is right. Now, we realize that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when we live righteously, we live in the Spirit with our eyes on Jesus, and we seek to live out in this world the way that Jesus moved through the world because Jesus is the only righteous person. We receive his righteousness by faith, but we also follow the example of his life in our own life. And we say, look how Jesus handled that. Now, I know someone's bound to say, well, Jesus called the Pharisees brood of vipers. Listen. Jesus can talk that way and not sin, but we can't. You ain't no Jesus. I had someone say that to me, like, you're always talking about loving people. Didn't Jesus call the Pharisees brood of vikings? I'm like, look, bro, you ain't no Jesus Christ. Jesus can talk like that. We can't. If I tell, call someone, and you're like, what's a brood of vipers? It means that your parents are snakes. That was like real nasty talk back in Jesus' day. You know? Jesus could say those things and not sin. Me, on the other hand, no. And I think you're just like me. So just always remember that. For those of you who love righteous indignation, you are not Jesus of Nazareth. You got it? Tell the person next to you, say, you are not Jesus of Nazareth. Go ahead. I just want to bury this stuff deep into your guys' hearts. Now, I want to give you one interesting Bible point before we move on. And I think you like this. Most people realize that the scriptures, we read it in English because we're here in America, and English is the more common language of our culture. Most people realize that the Bible is actually written in Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament. Interesting, picking up in verse 4 of Daniel chapter 2, it says, then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. That begins the section from Daniel chapter 2 to Daniel chapter 7 that is actually written in Aramaic. So when somebody ever asks you if you're doing Bible trivia, what language is the Bible written in? You can say Hebrew, Greek, and what else? Aramaic. And this begins a long section in the book of Daniel that's all written in Aramaic. Now, a lot of people wonder, well, why was it written in Aramaic? And a lot of scholars would say the reason it was written in Aramaic is this whole section is about the life of the Gentiles. That there's so much discussion about what goes on outside of the life of the Jewish people. Sure, Daniel's in the middle of this, but what's interesting is that it has this idea in the Old Testament that it's about the other people as opposed to the Jewish people. Now, I wouldn't overly strain that interpretation, but I did want to put it out there for you from a point of Bible information for those of you who like to impress your Christian and non-Christian friends. Next, moving on, verse 14. Look at what happens. Then, with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered 
Ariok, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Ariok, the king's captain, why is this decree from the king so urgent? Then Ariok made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So what goes on is this decree to kill all of the wise men and the counselors in Babylon, it ends up right in front of Daniel and his friends. They are part of that group, but they were not part of the group who was before the king. So all of a sudden, you can imagine the commotion that's going on. And when this guy Ariok shows up to start to kill the wise people who are around Daniel and these guys, Daniel asks a certain question. He says, why is this decree from the king so urgent? Now, listen, you want some wisdom in crisis? Ask good questions. See, oftentimes we get so emotional based on the crisis that we have the inability to find out what's really going on. It says here that Arioch, he explained to Daniel what was going on. And then in verse 16, it tells us, so Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. And then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven. My friends, in the middle of a crisis, you know what you need to do? You need to create God's space. You need to create God's space. You see what's going on? In the middle of a crisis... All this stuff's going on, and we get emotional, and we stop thinking, and we get crazy, and when that happens, we do not create any space for the God of all creation to speak, to guide, or to lead. We just move into action rather than stopping and saying, God, what is going on here? And what I love about what Daniel does here is he asks Ariok this really amazing question like, why is this happening? What's so urgent? And Ariok said, well, this is what went on. And then Daniel says, can I ask the king for time? All the wise men, all the astrologers, all the Chaldeans, no one thought to say, hey, King Nebuchadnezzar, no one's ever asked that request before. But you know, can you give us a little time to seek what the dream was? Daniel goes on and asks the king, king, can I have a little bit of time so that I can explain this to you? And you know what the king did? It's okay. I mean, you don't even think about this stuff when you read it, right? Where you're like, someone's like, wow, Daniel's brilliant. <laughs> like, can I just get a little time to, to seek this out? And what's amazing is, is from the king's response to Daniel, if the Chaldeans would have asked him, he would have said, fine. But because they, oh, it's impossible. Nobody knows. Only the gods know. And none of them even thought to think, well, I'm going to seek the gods, except for Daniel. Because Daniel goes, he gets a little bit of a time extension from the king, and then he goes back. You know what he does? He calls a prayer meeting. He brings his friends together, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and he says, we need God to give us some wisdom. Oh, my friends, you want to know how to navigate the friction of a crisis? Create some God space. See, my bride, Lynn, she calls it the God pause in the midst of a tough situation. 
That there's always in the midst of when some crisis is going on where there's that pause where it's almost like the spirit of God is prompting his kids being like, hold on a second. But because we're crazy, we go flying right through that stop sign and we go flying right into a calamity. But when you realize in the midst of the crisis, I'm going to create a little God space. I'm going to seek a little solitude in the midst of this crisis to figure out what God is up to. And what I love about this is Daniel asked a great question. He exercised tremendous wisdom by asking for a little time. And then he prayed with his friends. And this reminds me, of course, of Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 that says, but you, when you pray, go into your room And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. See, Daniel and his friends, they go on into a room. You have to go into your room because if you don't shut the door, all the crisis is constantly in front of you. But when you go into that secret place with your father who knows all and dwells, inconspicuously in secret, then God can speak. And you're not bound by the crisis. My friends, when was the last time you invited people who you know and trust to be part of your crises in a way that is not just like, yeah, you should kick them in the face, you know, like, because you know what it's like. See, I believe that when people go into crisis, their decisions are going to be defined by who advises them. It's amazing. When something goes on, you will always know the quality of the counsel somebody gets by their reactions. And what most of us do is we call our friends into us in the midst of our crisis, but you know what the problem is? Your friends are crazy too. And so they don't know. Like you watch them go through crisis and you give them bad advice. They give you bad advice and all of your lives are horrible in those situations. But when you have somebody in your life, when it all goes wrong, says, you know what? Can we stop and pray for a second? God, you are real. You know what's going on. Lord, you know all the emotions involved in this, but we want your grace and your love to shine through. If you don't have those people in your life, you need to get those people in your life. You know why? Because in the moments of crisis, the decisions you make in the moments of crisis will define the rest of your life. How you deal with crisis will totally change your destiny. And if you get lousy advice in the midst of the crisis, then you're going to have the effects of that lousy advice because most oftentimes we are the sum total of the five people who are closest to us. We are the average of the five closest advisors we have. And my friends, that's why I think it's so awesome that we're here together as a family of faith. Now listen, I'm not going to say even for a second, all of us are on our own journeys with Jesus. All of us. There's no perfect Christian. There's only forgiven people who shared in Jesus' perfection. It's amazing how there are so many people who don't believe that prayer is effective. Like, you're just going to talk to the air, and I'm like, oh, man. There's nothing more heartbreaking than for people to not talk to the God who made them and sustains them and keeps them and loves them. I mean, talk about being divorced from what is reality. It's like, that's like a fish thing. I don't believe in water. It's like, well, 
you're a fish. You know what I mean? Like, but I get that's the world that we live in today. But listen, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, create that space in your heart. Every time a crisis happens, get some prayer going on. We also have our prayer chain. So many men and women, you can just type in a prayer request to prayer at crossroadschurch.net and it gets shout out to all these people. You can be as specific or as kind of covert as you want to be. But literally, people will pray for whatever your prayer needs are. But there's nothing more powerful than when you have people who are close to you, who you can bring into your crisis, who are going to be good, wise people in the midst of crisis. People who have Jesus's agenda at the front and center. And Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, they have that. They have that. Now notice verse 18. This is their prayer request. That they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. I want you to notice, earlier we saw the astrologers and the magicians and the Chaldeans. They said the only person who would know this is one of the gods who doesn't dwell with the flesh. Now notice, their belief about their gods was that their gods didn't interact with normal, average people. But now you have Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and they're seeking God, right? The God of heaven for the secret that they heard that Daniel and his friends, they might not perish like the other wise. See, there's a difference between Daniel and these guys and the wise people of Babylon. The wise people of Babylon believe in gods who don't interact, but Daniel and his friends believe in a God who creates and sustains everything and wants to interact. And I think there's some of you here today, you're checking Jesus out and you're really hoping that Jesus is exactly who he is because you've heard about gods who are distant, gods who don't interact, who don't really care. I'm here to tell you the God of the Bible is deeply personal. The God of the Bible he wants to share this secret with Daniel and his friends. But what's interesting is the other people, they didn't even think to ask because they didn't expect their gods to speak to them. But Daniel and his friends remembered to ask because they knew that God wanted to speak to them. Do you realize God wants to speak to you? God wants to talk to you. God wants to reveal things to you and in you and through you. You don't need to beg him to do that. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's like with my little kids. When they come up to me and they say, oh, dad, can you explain this thing to me? I'm not like, yeah, uh, no. Like, I want to tell them stuff. I don't want to hold it back. Now, there's certain things as a dad I hold back from them. Maybe they're too young for certain pieces of information. Sometimes something goes on in a movie you know, and we're fast forward, like, well, what was that all about? Like, oh, no, they were just upset, you know? Meanwhile, someone's got their head hanging off, but that's the difference, you know? It's like, it's like I'm not going to explain, you know? There's certain things, you, like, it's just not the time. But even our Heavenly Father knows that there's certain things we're not ready to handle yet. But even though he loves you enough to give you appropriate information for the step that you're on, he wants to speak to you. How are you doing creating God's space in your life? What does that prayer closet life look like? When was the last time you just said, no, I'm going to have my friends come over. 
And we're going to hang out. We're going to eat. We're going to do all this stuff. But we're also going to spend just a little time in prayer. Asking for God's blessing on each other's lives. As Christians, our lives should be known by our prayer. That's the heating system of our lives in Christ. Listen, I want to invite all of you. Before service, all of our gatherings, we have a prayer meeting. I want to invite all of you. Come and join us as we seek God's blessing on our time together. And not only for those of us who are gathered, maybe here in Vancouver or in Southwest Portland or online, but people all over the world, that people would be touched by the God of the Bible, that Jesus would be revealed. When was the last time you made God's space for those type of things? All we have to, my friends, you are too busy not to pray. Your life is too important not to pray. And these guys, in the moment of crisis, they made some space. And look at what happens, verse 19. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in the night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and I praise you, O God of my Father. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. Oh, my friends, in the midst of the crisis, as the deliverance comes, don't forget the thanks. Don't forget the thanks. This happens, so I was thinking about this phrase, don't, you know, it's like I was going to sit down and eat a burger, don't forget the ketchup, you know? Listen, when you go through a crisis, and when you make God's face and you ask God to reveal stuff, and he does, don't forget to go back and say thank you. You can imagine that for Daniel and his friends, in this moment, when this is going on, right, they get this information, maybe the last thing you think about is going back and saying, God, you are awesome. Thank you so much. I totally need, you saved my life. Oh, don't forget the thanks, my friends. See, deliverance comes. God reveals to Daniel. It says in a night vision. So the idea here, a night vision is not he's sleeping, he has a dream. It's he's awake, but he gets this vision while he's awake. A waking vision in the evening time. That's what a night vision is. Right? And he gets what is going on. He gets the dream and its interpretation. But instead of just running right on out, Daniel stops and he praises. It says, Daniel blessed the God of heaven. He blessed him. He spoke well. That's what that word blessed means. It means to speak well of God. He blessed him. And look at how he blessed him. And there's really these two themes that are running through. God's wisdom and his might. The fact that God is wise and God is powerful. And I think, my friends, each one of us should live our lives praising God for his wisdom and his power. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel wrapped up today's message with an important reminder. When you're faced with a crisis and you go to the Lord for wisdom, don't forget to thank him after he comes through for you. Don't just rush ahead. Take a minute to pause and respond to his goodness to you with gratitude. He deserves your praise and your thanks. Like Daniel, you can stop and thank God for how he showed up once again. 
Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Come back next time to find out what happens when Daniel goes to talk to King Nebuchadnezzar about his dream and what it means. Pastor Daniel will point out how Daniel didn't take any credit for what God had revealed to him. You'll see how Daniel clearly explains that he didn't do anything to make the king's dream known, but it was the Lord who showed him the dream and its meaning. Daniel gives God the glory he deserved. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.